You are now tuned in to the December 26th podcast, where we encourage you to be extraordinary on an ordinary day. What's up, 26ers? Welcome to the December 26th podcast. I am your host, Delisha, and this is our first episode of the year. Happy New Year. And not only our first episode, but our first extraordinary occurrences. And you know what that means. We are joined by, by our producer extraordinaire, Demarcus Adisa. What's up? How you doing? I'm doing all right. Happy New Year to you and everyone else out there listening. Happy New Year. It's been a crazy start uh, to the new year. <laughs> Um, crazy end to last year, crazy start to the new year, but here's where we are. So listen, let's get into it. Let's talk about first and foremost, um, people are going to hear a difference in audio, right? So when we do these episodes, we normally do them in the same room with all of our recording equipment, et cetera. And as people know, we've been doing our guest interviews virtually over the computer. You and I are now virtual as well, uh, given the <laughs> increased number of cases related to Omicron uh, and COVID. I don't even know. I've read some article that said Delta was really the cause of the uptick at the middle of December. But either way, both of us have been dealing with so many exposures that we are actually limiting our in-person close contact as well. Um, so this episode is being recorded virtually like we do our guests also. Chaos is the new normal, I guess. And, uh, you know, we're adapting to the situation and everything that's going on right now um, because we both have very busy lives and busy schedules. So got to take every precaution necessary. Every precaution is crazy. So I uh, here's where, here's where we are. We're going to make it happen this way. At this point, I'm so used to uh, <laughs> having to deal with um, this situation that like I'm just learning to just roll with the punches and and that is what we are we are doing here. So, I think we're actually on schedule with respect to extraordinary occurrences. You know, we've always been kind of loose with those in terms of when we record them. Um but I think this episode is right on schedule. It's the top of the year. And not only that, we just released one like a month ago. Um so it's good to to be doing this at the frequency that we intend to do them uh normally, but with that being said, what did your December look like? Uh, my December was just busy, very busy. Um, just business has just been picking up. Um, you know, as I, I went back down to Georgia for the fifth time this year, which was good. I, you know, I shot a graduation. I also got to watch my best friend graduate, which was like phenomenal. Almost brought a little tear to my eye. I missed the eye. If you have listeners, if you have never gone to a HBCU graduation, do yourself a favor and go. It's like a wedding, a baby shower, and a family reunion. Just rolled into one it's very unique experience that I don't feel like you can experience anywhere else. But, um, you know, aside from that, just projects trying to stay on top of work, um, this end of the year surge, no pun intended. How about you? Yeah, man. I mean, this, I am unfortunately in a profession, uh, and in a practice area where I never have a calm December, like ever. So I'm always gearing up to work through the end of the year, um, because I'm a transactional lawyer. So you know what that means, deals. And if you're following a regular calendar year, the fourth quarter, as with anything, and the end of the year is always super, super busy as people try to get signatures on the line before the 31st or by the 31st. So um, I'm always used to December being a bit of a blur, which 
it's funny because like as long as I've been practicing law at this point, it'll be 12 years. That's crazy. 12 years next week. Um, I just want to shed a tear just thinking about that. But a lot of people don't still don't understand like kind of what I do. Um, so even at the beginning of my career, when I was a litigator, I remember being in cases and like being on the road. I remember taking depositions. Like I had a deposition in Chicago one year, like on the 23rd, snowy Chicago, like praying I made it home. Um, so my entire career, I've been used to this, right? The people around me aren't really used to it because they're, I'm always trying to fit in events and holiday stuff in the middle of just being busy and, and, you know, kind of burnt out from the year. So I didn't really have the holiday stuff this year because now granted, I had a few things on my calendar, but the way people were popping up with COVID, like people that I was supposed to meet up with who were hitting me up like, uh, yeah, by the way, I'm COVID positive or somebody in my house has COVID. Um, so a lot of that got canceled. But what I realized is as much as I'm used to a busy work cycle at the end of the year, this year, man, I got to Thanksgiving and I really didn't have anything left to give. It was crazy. Like I just, and thinking back on the year and what we have collectively and individually experienced, it's not a surprise, but like, I really struggled. I I, I crawled to, across the finish line at the end of 2021. And I think that's just due to a lot of things. The loss, of course, work being busy. We literally podcasted 52 episodes um, the things that have happened to me professionally, which were really great, but like was a lot. I think just all of it together, I was just really depleted by the time, you know, the end of the year rolled around. So um, my focus going into January really is just self-care and kind of refilling my tank a bit. And most people do that in December. I've always had to do it in, in January. And it's of even more importance this year because of how hard um, and how taxing last year was. So I'm, I'm happy to have made it through. I'm happy to be to be here and be healthy. Um, but definitely, definitely, definitely feeling the effects of 2021 for sure. I really feel like you feeling the effects of like 2013. Like this has just been a consistent grind. Like you, like you still moving. You like LeBron, you still moving. You still putting up numbers, but you've been in the league for a while and this ain't necessarily um, normal circumstances that you would be playing under. I feel like that's like that for everyone right now. Um, just the climate that we're going in, it's like, it doesn't even feel like that was 2021. It feels like it was 2022 to remix, like the extended version director's cut, um, because things have not been the same since 2020, in my opinion. And it was already sort of compounded because of just the schedule keeping up before things got crazy. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's for sure. And, and you're right. I mean, it's been a consistent grind for me, really from the start of my legal career. But that 2012-2013 transition, moving into solo practice and everything I was doing with that, that grind, and then the way my career has evolved and the way my life has evolved personally. Um, yeah. And the difference is that when I started you know, practicing law, I got sworn into the bar in 2010, January 2010. So what was that? Right before my 28th birthday. Um, yeah, I'm a different person now, right? Like <laughs> I'm not in my 20s anymore. So, you know, the energy that I had then, I think, I won't say the resolve, I still have resolve, but like the persistence I had with certain things, my capacity for people's nonsense was different. Like I, I just, I don't have the patience for a lot of things. I don't have the bandwidth. 
and I need a different level of rest now, like at this age and stage. And and you're right, like just the stress of just the news cycle and everything that we've experienced as a community. When I say community, I mean black community, especially, right? Um, that has all, you know, taken its toll for sure. I, I definitely feel the impact of of all of that. Um, so I mean, we could talk about resolutions. And how we feel about individually about resolutions for 2020. But right now, my real goal is self-care, right? And to, to refill the tank. But in the midst of like all of that, what's so crazy is I had two major things happen in December, one of which I can't talk about yet, but it's coming. Um, but the other was getting that award, which is so funny because so much has happened. I almost forgot about it. I feel like this would be the time that you cue like the sound effects, like and the confetti falls from the ceiling. <laughs> For the award. Talk about that award. Go ahead, dig yourself up. Yeah. So um essentially what happened is I got a LinkedIn message, I guess sometime in November, that was like, Oh, congratulations on your nomination. And I was like, What nomination? Um, so I hadn't been told, but I had been nominated for uh an award uh to to be on the twenty twenty, I don't know if they call it twenty twenty one or twenty twenty two. I'm not sure. But um, inspiring fintech females list, which is put out by NYC fintech women, and most people know I'm, I'm a lawyer. I think I said I'm a tech lawyer on here, but I'm, I'm especially a fintech lawyer. That's what I do particularly. Um, so you know, I'd heard about the nomination, and but kind of put it out of my head, right? Until something like you know me, you know me very well. Until something is like real and in front of my face, I don't really focus on it that much. Like it has to materialize for me to really be that invested in it. And I don't know if that's a, a protective measure from disappointment. I don't really know, but that's just the way that I function. So I didn't really think about it. And then I got this email that was like, hey, out of hundreds of submissions, you're one of the people who are on the list. Um, and so that was a great surprise. And to see some of the women that I was on the list with, I felt incredibly honored. Um, and then also to be on the list in the leader category, because there are a few different categories, like network builder, money mover, leader and, and and part of the characteristic that is put out there as a leader for that for that category is like fighting for equity and inclusion. And I, I'm very passionate about that. So uh so that was cool. Like the being put on that list was great and I was like really honored. But then I really didn't expect to for it to pick up momentum the way it did, like when it was announced. And I'm still getting notifications and messages from that. Um and it's something to go to the New York Stock Exchange and uh, for the event and to see your face and name on all the jumbotrons there. So that was a moment that, uh, you know, made me feel feel good and proud and to think about just where we come from. And, you know, it's become such a, a, a cliche to say you're your ancestors' wildest dreams. But like, you know, thinking about the decisions that the generations before us made and how all of those decisions contribute to the opportunities that we've had and to see some of that materialize, like it's just, it's crazy. So that's really what I'm saying. It's really crazy. I always say, um, you know, if somebody would have made a different decision, I'd be either picking oranges in Florida or cutting sugar cane somewhere in Jamaica. Right. So, you know, you think about that, like maternal grandparents making a decision to come Northeast to the Northeast, paternal grandmother making a decision to emigrate to the U.S. and just decision after decision after decision. Um, And so, you know, how those decisions create opportunity and being able to seize those opportunities and um, 
now looking into your own life and how you've added to those decisions, you made your own decisions and and really seeing the fruit of that labor in some ways, um, it feels good. And it feels good that it's not an award that was bought because that's what people don't know. Like a lot of these honors and awards, it is really political and it's economics in a lot of ways. And, and so to not have that be the situation here and just to be for your profile to be put in front of a panel of judges and to be selected as somebody to be added to a list is is great. And as a black woman in this space, and there are so few of us, it feels even better. And there were, were multiple black women on that list. So that felt good um, to connect with others who are in a space where we are severely underrepresented. So um, that felt like a high point in the midst of like a really stressful and exhausting end of year for a lot of reasons. So yeah, I'm kind of still riding high on that and and looking to see how things kind of shake out in 2022. Now, can I ask you a question? Go for it. Can I play? Can I play co-host for a second, mm-hmm. little brother? How do you feel about being more public-facing and your professional career, um, kind of coming out and intertwining with your passion projects? Yeah, I mean, you and I had some conversations about that offline. I'm I'm going to be very honest. It that is was very something that was very difficult for me to wrap my mind around. I, I have been a person in the last, I guess, five, six years who's really kept those worlds separate. Like if people follow me and the things that I've done, even outside of this show, they'll notice that like any speaking that I've done, I'll allow them to say that I'm an attorney. I don't allow them to say where I work. Ever since, you know, I left solo practice and went in-house. I've been very big on separation of church and state. And for me, I think that was driven by never wanting what I do during the day, that community and that cohort in my life to feel like what I do and the passion projects that I'm really serious about are taking away or diverting my attention because the reality of it is, is not. And the reason why we're both so tired generally at the end of the year is because this all happens outside of real work. So odd hours, weekends, vacation days, all of those things. Um, so I have worked really hard to kind of keep this. I mean, we talk about the show as like this little underground kind of cult following thing that we have. And if you know, you know. Um, and now I'm in a situation where that's not the case anymore. And the philanthropy that we've done, you know, the community work, the show, the award, all of that means that my worlds are colliding. And if anything, if anybody knows anything about reaching a certain level in their career where they work for any kind of company, if you don't work for yourself, um, there comes a time where your personal brand is going to become a topic of conversation, right? And 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 it, it will be for the better in most cases, unless you're out there talking crazy. Um, but because you, you are at a level now where you represent them, right? Even if what you're doing is not representing them is the fact that you're out in the world and all it takes is a quick LinkedIn search to know where you work. So you're automatically connected. I knew that I was approaching that place in my, in my career, but I'm fortunate in that. And this is where I'll pat myself on the back and that I've made some career moves to prepare for this moment. I knew that it was going to happen. I knew I would be less comfortable with it if I was still on wall street, you know? So now that I've moved into this tech space, I was in the tech space just at a very large corporation. But now that I've moved to more hit progressive sort of um, disruptor space, it feels better. <laughs> it feels better. You can speak tongues at work. <laughs> <laughs> so um, 
So yeah, like that, that has been cool. But still, like I told you, like I knew it was coming. I was like, man, my cover's about to be blown at this point. Like people are digging into me way too much. As people start to work on employee profiles for you and all this other stuff, like it's out there. Um, and it really took like me running it by people that I, whose opinions that I value to be like, nah, this is a great thing. Everything that you do outside of work, work contributes to who you are as a person. Diversity of thought, um, diversify interests, more satisfaction at work because you do have these outlets and you're not consumed by just this one thing. And be clear, like you're a Black female tech lawyer. Everything about you and what makes you multifaceted is a positive reflection on the people that you work with, right? And the company that you work for. So I think when I started thinking about it that way, um, it made me much more comfortable with it. And it, it it helped me to see it in a different light. And someone said something to me, an executive coach said to me, like, this is what being a leader and executive really is. It's no longer about just doing the work and executing. It's about being out in the world and being seen and getting the awards and raising your profile. And I think as, you know, I'll speak to Black professionals. We are socialized to keep our heads down and just get the work done. Work hard. You know, the old adage, you got to work twice as hard to get half as much. Um, and, and we do that. We go in, we grind out in hopes that we're rewarded, either financially or otherwise, for working so hard. But there, there comes a point in your career where you have to start thinking of, of yourself as a leader, as an executive, as somebody who's blazing trails and who really wants to take their career to the next level. And that goes for entrepreneurship, whether you're an employee, a partpreneur, it doesn't matter. And that involves other things than just working hard. And I think anybody who's been around the block a couple of times will tell you that just putting your head down and grinding out and working hard is not enough. No, it's not enough. You have to, you have to build, think about a personal brand. You always had to think about a personal brand in hindsight, but it's a little bit different now since, you know, there's a lot more static and a lot more noise out there that you have to cut through um, to make yourself stand out in order to get ahead. And I think being public facing, you know, shoot, Will Smith is public facing now. Before, we didn't know what he was doing in the background, but like, there's so many people, you know, you always leave celebrities as a parallel because it's so relatable who have open up their lives now because this is what it means in 2022 to forge ahead and to build a brand. And if you're trying to achieve something, it's to share more about yourself and, and the workings of your life. It's crazy. Like you, you mentioned Will Smith. I listened to his memoir. Have you, you finished it as well? Yeah, I finished his memoir as well. Yeah. I mean, I, I have strong feelings about it. Work, work ethic, undeniable. Absolutely had no idea a lot of the stuff that he brought up about the inner workings of his personal life from his upbringing or otherwise. But you're right. Um, It's people want to see your humanity. They want to know the backstory. They want to be, they want to come behind the curtain a little bit more um, in a way that just wasn't the case. I don't think I'll ever be that person who just shares every detail of their waking life. Like that's not my jam, but it is true. Like it's, it's not enough anymore to just be good at your job or be an expert in this one thing or be really talented. You got to present the whole person. And I think there are people who, who get around that, like certain celebrities, like I don't think Sean Carter is ever going to be like tweeting like that or (laughs) on IG in that way. Right. Neither Beyonce either. Right. Exactly. But like they've, I think when you reach 
a certain level in your career and you're like out there in the stratosphere in that way, that's probably possible. And it works for some. Some people may say Will's already in the stratosphere and didn't have to do this. But I think that formula of being really mysterious and private and just putting all of it into your art, be it music or otherwise, works for some people. Um, and it doesn't work for others. I mean, you you brought it up. There's a lot of noise out there. There are a lot of voices out there. And I'll be honest in thinking about this show, the December 26th brand, the offshoot of that, which is sort of the DG brand, what I got going on um, as well. And I do wonder, I, 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 I'm on social media like everybody else. And the amount of people out there who are on the internet and putting out content and blogging and vlogging and podcasting is wild. So while I, I am fully vested in my own purpose and I know like my path is my path and what I, what I do is different than what other people do, you know, the hu- human side of me does ask, like, how do you cut through all of that and kind of build a lane for yourself um, in a way that you are recognizable and people are latching onto that message? And I think we're still kind of trying to figure that out. Yeah, it, I think that's uh, it, it, it's uh, that's a it's a very unique algorithm. I, I totally butchered that word. It's a, a unique algorithm that you have to figure out for yourself if you want to do it and do it in a meaningful way, right, and an authentic way, and not just be a person that's out here just seeking attention by any means. Exactly, because I, you know, you notice that everybody kind of latches on to the trends and they may consider themselves an influencer in one space or doing one thing, but you start to see the brand shift or them talking about certain topics or shooting certain themes in their videos because that's what's hot right now. I, I don't really want to be that person. I mean, first and foremost, I don't have the time to be that person who's just kind of following a bunch of trends. But yeah, it's 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 something to think about, like how to sort of maintain your voice and find your voice and grow your reach, expand your reach in the midst of this time and space where everybody's trying to do the same thing. And, you know, you hear the, you read the snide comments online where people are like, everybody has a podcast now. It's the thing to do. If I never heard another podcast in my life, it wouldn't be a moment too soon. And that's a valid point. But at the same time, I see us differently. I'm like, A, we've been at this for four years. B, we, we engage with people in a way that not a lot of shows do. And see, I do feel like we have the Midas touch in, in some ways. So I'm interested to see how we grow in that perspective, too. My philosophy is just everybody ain't me. <laughs> I got my own unique value add to what this is. And, you know, the feeling is, you know, it may sound crazy to some people, but that's the feeling that you have to have if you're going to step out in this world and try to do something. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter what it is. It's like you could be trying to be a doctor or an architect or an engineer. Like there's hundreds of thousands of people who do these jobs but what is your unique value add that's going to make you stand out and you got to figure that out and you know some sometimes it's something intrinsic that you're born with sometimes it's something that you work with and develop over time you know and in many cases it's both <laughs> you know what i mean it's something unique that you have that that's just in you but it's something that has to be cultivated through hard work um and you won't know unless you put yourself out there and continue to try and be consistent with it over time. So, you know, to those people who be like, hey, why is it? I'll hear another podcast. You ain't heard my podcast. You ain't seen my content. It's different over here, homie. And, you know, we experienced that on the show for the people um, who don't like to go through the pre-production process. And that's rare. But we do have people who are like, 
yeah, 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 I've been on a hundred podcasts. I don't need a pre-production meeting. I know how this works. And we're like, okay. And then they come on the show. And that generally happens with people who have handlers. Um, and then they come on the show and they're like, you could see it happen in the interview where they're like, oh, nobody's ever asked me that before. Or, oh, I didn't realize we were going to go go so deep. And then when the interview is over and we press stop, people are like, this is very different than what I've experienced. Um, wow, I feel like I just purged or I didn't expect to share that much of myself. And that's what I'm like, yeah, this is why we do the meetings that we do beforehand, because this is not your everyday podcast. This is not. No, it's not running the mill. This is our own unique. And, and again, I don't think we went into it knowing exactly what we were doing, but I feel like if you do something long enough over time, your niche or your unique spin will find you. Um, yeah. And that's where with any craft, like you have to build a foundation. I was just talking to someone about music and a lot of times musicians, they start off sounding like someone else. Right. And they get to a point that's their foundation. Our artists that they idolize, that they admire, but they get to a point, the great, those artists that be, that eventually become great artists themselves, they push past that foundation that was set and start exploring and figure out what their own unique value is. And they change the game. And then next thing you know, you have a whole generation of artists copying them, you know, and that thing, and depending on how bright your shine, your, your star shines, like that thing may become a standard. Like it, it people, as time goes on, people don't even realize that you innovated because Everybody does has done that thing and ran that thing into the ground. I remember I was sitting in a barbershop one time and um, people were talking about, you know, who was the funniest comedian. And a bunch of older guys brought up Richard Pryor and they showed it to some younger dudes in the shop. And they were just like unamused, like I've heard this before. And the younger dudes didn't understand, like nobody spoke like Richard Pryor before Richard Pryor, that he's so great that he's the standard. Like if you made a tree, there'd be a million branches and roots coming off from what he did. Um, and yeah, I think anytime that you're, um, you know, you're, you're, you're going into something, you got to figure out, you know, learn the basics. So the rudiments of it, you, you have some people you may idolize a favor or want to be like, and then eventually in that process, you find your own voice and your own skill and what's unique that was you add on. I think the thing that we found is we found a way to get people to be themselves as much as they can be. And to share those things that they don't often talk about, because all too often, you know, uh, you know, our people, especially we walk through this world um, and we're public facing, doing nothing but accentuating all positive aspects and victories of ourselves. We don't talk about the setbacks. We don't talk about the losses, the valley moments. But honestly, truly, those things are what make us who we are. Absolutely. And um, shout out to Gene Alert, former guest of the show and probably our Biggest supporter beyond uh, Brandon, uh, also a, a dear friend of the show as well. Brandon might as well be a producer at this point. At this point, exactly, for sure. But Gene hit me up about a recent episode and he was like, yo, you were not letting up on that question until she she answered it and you were kind of reframing it. And it's true because I, I know that to, to your point, we oftentimes get addicted to a narrative and that narrative it's not dishonest. It's just the piece of the story that we want to present to the public. And oftentimes we do have people who come on the show and I know that they're reciting whatever the narrative is that they are well-versed in and that they've mastered that, sh- that shares just enough, right? Just what the pieces that they want to know. And I've been doing this long enough to know that 
there's always more pieces to the puzzle and there's always more to the story. But we've been conditioned to leave out the parts that that don't all feel good or don't fit in a neat package um, or are not easily explained and that can't be said in a way that we know how to articulate that that puts us in the best position. And um, and I mean, I struggle with that, too. That's that. I'm not saying that that's other people. I, I deal with that as well, especially being a professional and now a professional that in a very limited way is in the public eye. And what I mean by that is like, if you Google me, obviously there's a lot of stuff now out on the internet about what we do. Um, So I have to fight that as well. But part of the show is, um, and why I'm so passionate about it, and I think what makes it great is the fact that we are encouraging people to um, put it all out there, lay it on the table, even if it's not articulate and it's not neat and it's not a pretty package. It's a part of our humanity that needs to be recognized and it's the parts of the story that make us unique because we all don't have the same story and we all don't have the same challenges. There are some ties that bind us absolutely as black and brown folks, um, but there are parts to our story. We've heard it on this show, like people having similar experiences, but how they react to those things might be different. Right. You know, we have some similarities and shared experiences, but, you know, people take different directions. And then, you know, I think the main thing, a lot of times, is people are presented with different opportunities. And you have, I see the through line with a lot of people is recognizing that there's an opportunity on there and jumping on it and seizing it, the opportunity. You have, we've had instances where people, you know, have had opportunities earlier on in life and passed them by. And they had that feeling of regret. And it's like, if something comes around again, I'm jumping down on it. I'm putting my hands and my feet on it and I'm taking advantage of it. And I think that that's the main one of the main things that happens on this show. I think a lot of and I think it's actually starting to change a little bit. But in prior years, you hear a lot of people just talk about grinding and grinding. I just work hard and I'm self-made and we're starting to people are starting to realize more and more and realize it. it's not just that it's finding that opportunity, meeting that person. Things sinking up for you to be the hardest working person in the world doesn't necessarily mean you're going to make it at things. It's stars have to kind of align for you. Right. That's that's Um, facts. There's there's no guarantee. And I think people are, uh, you know, surely coming around and starting people starting to understand that a little bit more. For sure. And I think like what I appreciate about the people who have come on the show is those you have those people who are like this is all I ever wanted to do this is the track I was on I checked these boxes boom 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 I might have had a challenge at this point in my career and I overcame that or whatever but then there are people who had a total other vision for their lives completely different and for whatever reason that did not shake out and they've had to dream a new dream and figure out something else and they are now latching on to that I think it's important to highlight that as well because it's not always a fairy tale ending with the things that you might want for yourself, um, but there's opportunities for success and growth, um, and to build a life that you love, even if you've got to go in a different direction. Well, we we talked about it several times before. I mean, sometimes you got to pivot. Like life ain't a straight line. Sometimes you got to pivot. Sometimes you got to turn around and go back and regroup and figure something out or head in a completely different direction. But you know, ultimately, you know, um, I feel like if your needs are being met. You're in a good mental space. You're happy with it. There's nothing wrong with it. You're not a failure. You tried something or you went a certain way and it didn't work out. And, you know, that's a chapter and a lesson in your life. Listen, I have pivoted probably a good six times in my legal career. Um, yeah, I'm that over memoir- here doing the cha-cha slide. 
Charlotte Brown. <laughs> to the left. Take it back now, y'all. Yeah, it's crazy. Memoir is going to be wild one day. Because it's so funny. With as much as I've spoken about, it's about like 15% of the whole story. Uh, so, yeah. That, that dark comedy biopic or um, that memoir. Maybe both. going to be a wild ride one day. Oh, for sure. My, You already know the title of my memoir is going to be like, I can do that. <laughs> yes, I know. I've not titled mine yet, but I do I, know I the can make it yours. Yeah, I mean, but speaking of people's stories and the reference to Richard Pryor, if I may offer um, a bit of a, a detour at the moment, I am very sad that this Richard Pryor movie uh, is not materialized just yet after having been casted. I don't know what's going to happen with that. I don't know if it's dead or what. Was that movie connected to Weinstein? I... Don't quote me, but I believe so. I believe that's actually part of the issue, but I could be wrong. Because I'm waiting on that Mike Tyson movie, and I feel like that's dead in the water because of it's connected to Weinstein. But don't connect, don't don't quote me on that either. Yeah, I mean, I think it it, it got shuffled around so much at this point. I'm not really sure, um, but yeah, that I felt like that was going to be a breakout for Mike Epps in a way for it's an opportunity for people to see him in a different light. The way Ray did, well, really started with Jamie, I think, and Ali. And then Ray really, like, flipped things on its head for him in the best possible way. Yeah, that's for sure. It's crazy because I feel like Ali did that for Will, too. Mm-hmm. People viewed him in a different, like, it took him way more serious than just action comedy guy. But, you know, uh, Jamie playing Bundini Brown and then turning around being Ray Charles, that broke him out of the Wanda from uh, In Living Color curse. yeah. So I was really excited for like what the next chapter of Mike Epps' career could look like um, with that. But I don't know. Who knows? You know, Hollywood is can be a bit crazy. Um, but anyway, that was a, a a detour moment. But 2022, looking ahead, how do you feel about resolutions? Uh, I don't necessarily have New Year's resolutions anymore because I feel like a lot of times like... Um, I have goals and things that I want to achieve, but I feel like it's an ongoing thing. It's I'm not limiting it to 12 months in a calendar. I realize I'm not going to accomplish everything in a year. It's an ongoing thing. And I think the thing that I've done over these past couple of years is I look and see what I put on paper. And I there's a few things every year. It's, I never, I have, I don't think in recent years I've ever done everything that I've written down. But what I, what's happened over the past few years is I've gotten portions done and I just updated. And what I realized is some of the things that were resolutions, life changes. Like we were just talking about pivots and moves. Some of the things that are revolution, I almost said revolutions, but resolutions <laughs> may no longer be a resolution anymore. I don't see myself going in that direction. I see myself going somewhere else. So I don't feel like um, it has to be this rigid list that you start at the beginning of the year, I feel like it's a living, breathing thing that evolves over time. And, you know, the things that you didn't get to last year that still make sense to this year, you just kind of roll over and you take things away and add on. But I don't feel like it's like, oh, man, I got to do, I gotta do this and I got to do that. And it, it's just earmarked at this time. Like, no, I'm just kind of moving. Um, because like a real to-do list, like a, if you had a real to-do list for the week, things that fall in different quadrants, you know, you got top priority over here medium, low, you know what I'm saying? And then you got the I get to it list. And I feel like it's the same way with resolutions, but I feel like a lot of times people burn themselves out because it's like, yo, I got to do this. All these things I got to do, I have to accomplish. They're all top priority. And then 
come mid February, you sitting down eating cookie dough watching Netflix. <laughs> Valid. Yeah, I mean, I think I've talked about it every year um, since we started the podcast that I'm not really a resolutions person. Um, I'm more of a like just kind of building on the momentum from the prior prior year and trying not to have to relearn a lesson that was presented to me um, in the year before. So I think this year, looking at, back at how last year started, um, so much drama, this year I'm just moving into 2022 with a lot of gratitude that I survived um, and I still have my sanity intact for the most part. Um, and also because of the stress of 2020, there are a lot of habits that I tried to implement last year just to keep myself sort of balanced and grounded. So around like health and wellness and stuff. So for me going into the new year, one thing I do feel great about is that I'm already on that journey. I'm, I don't have to be like, oh, I'm going to work out more. I'm already doing that. Right. Or I'm going to eat better. For the most part, I'm doing that already. Um, so that feels good to kind of have that not having to revisit something every year, right? Having to reset in certain areas, in certain areas of my life that I feel good about um, and that I've made progress and that I get to just build on. So for me, it's it's sort of looking back at like, what are the lessons that I've learned this year? What are the, or last year? What are the tests that I had to go through? And what are the tests that I absolutely don't want to repeat? And I sort of allowed that to shape what my focus is for my own well, well-being. And I think for me, looking into 2022, in addition to all the things that, the tangible things, right? Like the career goals, this and that, the things that you can actually quantify, oh, what's the money that I want to make? What are the things I want to make happen? All that is great. But for me, sort of looking at um, the ways in which I was tested in 2021, what I'm focused on uh, in 2022 is like, my people, my passions, and protecting my peace at all costs. And what I mean by that is experiencing so much loss in the last year and change, um, trying to maintain those connections that matter. And it's hard, right? Between COVID, busier than I have ever been. Everybody's life is busy. It's hard to do that. Uh, But trying to maintain the connections with my people, trying to continue to invest in things that I am passionate about because I realize that's what keeps me going and keeps me full full and fulfilled even when it's hard and it's not easy. Um, and after what we experienced last year, I value my peace and doing whatever I have to do to keep that intact more than anything at this point. So if that means new boundaries, if that means saying no more, which we talked about in the Monday Morning Move last week. If you haven't seen that, go check it out. It's out there on social media. Um, whatever I have to do to keep my peace at the forefront, I got to do that. Would you say that was your greatest lesson learned from last year? Yeah, I mean, it, it was It was a lesson that I think going into 2020, I, if you would have asked me, I would have said, I do that anyway. I protect my peace, I have boundaries, but like, after having so many experiences where people really cross the line um, and in a way that just disturbed like my psyche in a, in a way that I had never experienced. And it wasn't through any fault of my own or your own. It's just, you know, you got extended family, all kinds of things that were going on in the midst of like a really traumatic loss. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think I had ever had, I don't think I'd ever been rattled in that way 
right? And rattled in a way where I couldn't do anything in response, given my own moral code and the way that I handle conflict. And, you know, again, the the brand, all those things, you can't say a lot publicly, um, but it affected me in a very deep way. But coming out of 2021, I'm realizing that like protecting your peace may mean that some people got to go. Even if, if it's people who are like blood relatives of yours, they got to stay over there. If, if something's not serving you or it's bringing detriment to your to your life, um, it's bringing not just difficult moments, but straight up trauma and turmoil and toxicity. Yeah, nah, fam. Like that's that's not going to happen. So that that is, um, if you would have asked me for 2021, I would have been like, yeah, you know, I deal with issues like everybody else, but my my life is pretty peaceful. Last year upended all of that. I feel like, you know, certain lessons that we learn, but there's experiences that we have have that galvanize those lessons in our mind. Um, and it's like it's stuff you know in your entire life you heard, but until you had like these experiences, those lessons are not hammered in and like solid in you. Um, if that makes any sense. And definitely this this past year, um, I feel like I had the, the similar experiences and I, I realized like, you know, just kind of thinking about uh, what we always talk about, abundance and scarcity. You know what I mean? I, I think I've taken more losses this year than any other year in my life and just all aspects of my life. It's all kind of else. And it's so crazy as I've bounced back from all of them. But in the moment, it just feels like the lowest of the low. Um, but you kind of have to, um, another thing, extend yourself grace in a moment, you know what I mean? And let go through that range of emotions that you need to go through. And then once you're done, you know what I mean? Pick yourself back up. And I think, you know, a lot of times it, 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 uh, picking yourself back up, you know, we try to put like a finite amount of time on those things. Like, all right, I'm going to give myself a day. But depending on the experience, what you're going through, picking yourself back up or, you know what I mean, it may take a few months. It may range from a few days to a few months. It may take a while. And I feel like I had to experience, I experienced that this year in different aspects. There's certain things that happened that was dramatic. And I mean, you was there for it. I ain't going to get the details. And I hit the ground. I bounced. It's like I hit the ground so hard, I bounced off the ground. <laughs> And it was other other things that it was just like, you know, and then people passing away that it's like, you know, that that took some time. That took some time and it I had to I had to get out of my own head and extend myself some grace and extend other people some grace in certain aspects, but at the same time, to your to your point, kinda of be like, All right, y'all gotta stay over there. I love for you, but in order for my own peace, you know what I mean, and for me to continue to do the things I need to do. Y'all gonna have to stay over there. Yeah, it's crazy. And, you know, we're, most people are not taught that within the Black community, like to set those boundaries and draw those lines in the sand. But it is absolutely necessary in some instances. And I think some people have lived in dysfunction for so long that they've normalized it. And when you refuse to live in it, that's not often perceived well. Um, and from that perspective, like I've I've had to accept that, like, I'm choosing to live my life a certain way. And that way involves keeping the dysfunction at a minimum. And what that may mean is that some people cannot be in my life because they don't respect that. Um, And so I've had to like reconcile that and be okay with it. And I think I'm coming to that conclusion that I'm okay with it. It's not easy. And like you said, it's some things it takes a couple of days to get over others. It's, It's months. And I feel like 
because of how last year ended and the beginning of this year, you know, began, I spent a lot of 2021 in a, just a healing process. Just and, and that was healing on every level, like spiritual, mental, emotional, physical. It, it was so much stress that it affected every aspect of my life. And I'm still going through that, even physically, like my body, the stress of last year in 2020, like I feel it in my body. You sound West Indian for a second. In my body. <laughs> I feel it in my body. <laughs> but I'm going to make a way. <laughs> it's true. Like, yeah, the Caribbean jumped out of me, but it's uh it's it's very real. It is is very real. And you know, like, I'm about to be 40, man. In a month, I will be 40. Uh so that is is heavy on my mind uh, in that, in a couple of different ways and re- relevant to this conversation and the fact that like, yeah, things do affect me differently. As I mentioned earlier, I was 28 when I started practicing law, but like I need more time to, to bounce back uh, <laughs> now. And um, that healing process is different, but also moving into this next decade, thinking about, okay, what do I want from my life out of, out of this next 10 years? And the career stuff, I mean, that's easy. I've, I've, my career has not always been easy to to navigate, but it's something that I've always figured out. Even through all those pivots, um, in the end, I can look back and be like, "Wow, all those decisions I made is worked out for my good, and it's worked out for the better." And all of it has really contributed to where I've landed now. Um, so that that part for me. While the journey has not been easy, I have faith and I'm confident that I can figure it out. Uh, now I'm sort of asking myself, what do you want for yourself personally? Um, and what do you want for yourself out of the December 26th of brand and all those things, marriage and family? How does all that work together? And that's a very different conversation um, at 40 as a woman than it is at 30. So I'm, I'm asking those questions of myself, like, what does that look like? And what parts of it can I control? What parts of it can I not control? How do I feel about the parts of it that I can't control? So a lot of that's on my mind. Um, But it's on my mind in a way. I think when I was having this conversation at 35, I was like making all these declarations and affirmations and all this other stuff. I'm not really doing that now. I don't know if that's wise or not, but like, you know, obviously I have great expectations and I always believe in, in the positive. I don't even go through that whole, it's my year thing anymore. I think every year is our year, depending on what you make of it. Like, but I am saying to myself, okay, you know, what, how might my life look different over this next decade? And in a perfect world, what would I like it to look like? And how do all the the pieces of my life fit together? And I think the older you get and the more responsibility you have as well. And then as a woman, we start thinking about just the biological aspects that becomes a very, real conversation more and more real the older you get i think um you know once you've lived life that's a crazy thing to say but the more you live life and the more things you experience and the older you get you're still op- optimistic and you know you want things to happen but you do realize that there's a certain with certain things that they fall out of your control um and like you have to i mean it may just sound crazy because you know we're always optimistic but you have to be pragmatic about certain things, how you're going to go about it and how you think about it. Because there, although, you know, you may have dreams and things you want for yourself, there are physical limitations mm-hmm. on what you can do, whether it comes to work, family, life, everything, you know, especially if you're talking about, you know, 
getting married and having kids, especially as a woman, um, it's a lot. And I like, <laughs> I feel you on that. Like it, like, you know, we was raised kind of anybody that went to church, non-denominational church, late nights, early to name it and claim it, you know, write it out, put it on your mirror, say it every morning. And I don't think there's nothing. I don't necessarily think that there's anything wrong with that. You do have to look on a positive outlook, but a part of you has to be a realistic uh, certain things. There's limits that possibly can be limitations. So absolutely. And how do you brace for that? Right. Um, and think about tact, think about these things tactfully and create other plans, plan B's or, you know, ways to co- kind of pivot to take advantage of what opportunity, what time that you have. And I I don't know if that's, that's necessarily a conversation that's being had more and more, especially pertaining to women like yourself who are, you know, push approaching 40 and, and are single, you know what I mean? Because if you want a family, you want a family, but part of that is not in your control, you know what I mean? Because I swear, if you if I see you get on a knee and propose, I'm fighting him, ah. and I'm I'm picking you up first, and I'm fighting him. First of all, I will never be that woman. Every time I see that, my eyes like roll out of my head. I mean, whatever. Teach his own. If that's your jam, that's your jam. But nah, that's never gonna be me. Listen, I I know it's not gonna be. I'm just making a joke. But I'd be sitting there like so. You gonna come in and is his dad is his mom gonna walk him down the aisle? <laughs> they give him to you. <laughs> he gonna <Yeah>. bail on. <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, every time I see that trend, I'm like, what is happening right now? Like, are you serious? But yeah, that's not my jam. I, I'm very with certain things. I think I'm really progressive, but in other things, I'm pretty old school. And I don't. I don't even get into this whole giving men ultimatums like you got to propose to me or else. Like I don't believe any of that. But I think you know ultimately. I mean, if that works for you, we're in a, a day and age where uh, you know it's common. Well, not common belief, but if you're if what you're doing works for you and it's not infringing on anybody else, more power to you. But at the same time, I think we share. Me and you share the same mindset that you know what I mean. My program is my program, and I'm not saying that this program is a universal truth. I'm just saying this is what I want out of life, and this is what works for me. So I'm not doing that. You can do that if you want to. That works for you. Fine. But, you know, I want something a little different over here. And we, our lives can coexist and not conflict, and it's not a problem. But it just, that's not how I view the world. Yeah, and it's, I think because there's been this cultural shift, I've talked to a lot of men who have said, I don't pursue women. Like I don't court women. I don't ask women out because I don't have to. And, you know, for somebody like me, (laughs) again, whatever floats other people's boats, that's fine. But like, I'm, I'm, I don't feel the need to like switch roles in that way and be pursuing some man. Like, I just, I just don't, maybe that's why I'm single. I don't know. But I, I, that's just not for me. So if those are the rules that we got to play by in 2022 and the 2.2, I'm still be single because that, that, that's just not my jam. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a lot. And also too, I often have conversations with my financial advisor, shout out to Chad Roberson, former, former guest of the show as well. Cause our whole network at this point is basically tied to the December 26th podcast. Chad owe me a referral fee. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just playing, y'all. I'm just playing. It's a joke. It's a joke. Don't want to get the brother in trouble. But um, so we we we've been talking and we're always talking about like 
you know, money and this and that and the third. And even he has said some things. He's more intimately familiar with like my financial situation than anybody. He probably more, knows better than I do. But like, also, how does that play into dating and relationships? Um, and kind of where I've arrived in my career and also what we're preparing for, right? Um, so not even just today, but I work in tech and what that means and what that means from a financial perspective in the next few years and all of that. And it's exciting. I mean, it's exciting from a, a, a perspective of like building generational wealth, sort of setting myself up, setting my future children up if I should so have them, um, the ph- philanthropic things I want to do, uh, our our family thinking about, you know, our, our mother and what I want for her and her golden years and all of that. That's cool. Um, but it does raise a lot of questions around how does that dynamic work with a, a man, particularly a black man, which is, you know, what I'm inclined to date. So, yeah, it could get interesting, but we're going to see. We're going to see. Whoever you are out there floating in the ethos, we're going to see. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because even though we've established this whole you can make all the declarations you want. You know, I, I will go on record saying, I'll put this out there. I don't think that I will spend all my years on this earth unmarried. I don't think that, right? I, whatever perceptions people have about professional driven women, I think some of them are accurate and some of them are inaccurate. Sometimes you just got to get to know the person. So I feel like I have a lot to bring to a partnership, right? And if you know anything about me, you know that like, I'm all about doing everything in excellence and personal interpersonal relationships are no different. So I would be just as committed and invested in making that work as I am as making my career work or this show. It's just a question of timing. Right. And and when when does that happen? Does that happen when I'm in my childbearing years? Does it not? And if it doesn't, what does that look like? And we've had the fertility conversation on the show. I was very open about the fact that I was my eggs, which buys you some time. But it's not a, a fail proof uh, process. It's not an insurance policy uh, that is guaranteed to work. So all those things are like in my mind and in my mind more so now turning 40, even though, you know, from what I understand, talking to my doctor is that more and more women are having kids in over 40 now than ever and successfully doing so. But yeah, of course, those those thoughts are going through my mind, I think. But where I might differ for some people is that I'm not I'm not so overtaken by those thoughts that it leads to depression or anxiety. And it doesn't mean every day I'm okay with it. That's that was just that would be dishonest to say that. There are days that it rattles my cage. Yes, but for me it's not so acute that I can't function and lead my life in a healthy manner and remain positive and have gratitude and all that stuff. It's a moment. It's a moment in time that sometimes those feelings could can be a lot. Um, so yeah, but I, I'm thinking about it going into 40 and not just about that. Like, what do I want? What would be the most enjoyable life for me? Even if nothing changed on the marriage and family front, what would be the most enjoyable life for me right now? And that's what I am committed to every day, trying to create a life, um, that I find enjoyable and peaceful, uh, with the people that I care about. So, uh, that's my focus, no resolutions, but just kind of keeping things moving. And, uh, we have some very real considerations about the show and, you know, time, money, all the resources that we put into it. Yeah. Those are things that have to be unpacked and worked out. Um, but other than that, yeah, I'm not on this whole, like, I'm going to get six workouts in a week. I'm going to, I don't play those games. Like I, I, I'm just trying to live well and be well. And there are things and there are habits that I've developed already that I'm going to continue. And there are new habits that will 
evolve over time to help with that, uh, to build a life that I enjoy. But for the most part, like it's the the things that can't be quantified that are are the most important to me coming out of the last year and a half. Amen. Anything else you want to talk about? Nah, I think I think that's a strong note to end on. All right. Well, listen, we already said happy new year. I'm I'm really excited to see where things go for you uh, in 2022, um, both separately and and collectively. I know we have our own individual things we're working on as well. Um, and progress is being made on those fronts also. We haven't talked about it a lot and some of the other things we got going, but it's happening. Book is 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 moving. Things are, are, are moving in the way um, that we want them to. So really looking forward to that. Kudos to a strong finish of the year uh, business-wise. This entrepreneurial game is 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 not a joke. It's, it's very serious. So kudos to you for finishing strong on that as well. Thank you. Because Lord knows it's blood, sweat, and tears. It's a roller coaster every day. Absolutely. Peaks and valleys. Uh, and to our listeners, if you've been here all year, thank you. Thank you for continuing to help us to put up numbers, grow the show, um, and keeping us motivated, even in the midst of all kinds of things that have happened, just tragedy, high lows, what have you. This has been a constant. It's the people who really support the show, who post in their stories, who tell people about it, who recommend guests, who make the connections that really keep us going, even when it feels like the last thing on the list, a long list of priorities. So we appreciate you. Uh, we're wishing you health, wealth, all of that, but most importantly, peace in 2022. Peace. So with that being said, you know what to do. If you have enjoyed this episode, tell a friend about it. Tell three friends, tell five friends. If you're enjoying the show but have not yet subscribed, go ahead and do that. Click those notifications. We look at the numbers every single week. So we appreciate every one of you. And listen, engage with us more this year. Comment, put it under our IG. We're on YouTube now, dropping the videos also. Uh, Put it there. Send us a DM. Whatever you need to do, just go ahead and interact with us. We know that you're feeling the content. If you have feedback and suggestions, we welcome that too. And as always, remember to be extraordinary on an ordinary day. Take care. Thank you for listening to the December 26th podcast. I am your host, Delisha. This episode was produced by Demarcus Adisa and music was provided by Thovo. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at December 26er. That's December 26ER.